Heavenly Father, we thank you for today to worship you, to praise your name. We thank you for freedom, as we'll be reminded of that tomorrow especially. Father, I thank you that you love us and you care about us and you want us to grow in grace and knowledge. I thank you that you gift us with the ability to do your work and to build up your church. And I pray, Father, today that our eyes and ears will be open to hear your word so that we can be strengthened as a church, as the body of Christ. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. There were two gifts that I received in the month of June. By the way, June is my favorite month of the year for three reasons. Maybe four. It's the best weather, it seems like. That's the fourth. My first one is it's my birthday, June 4th. Um, It is uh, Father's Day. Now that I'm a father, I get to celebrate that day. And it's also my anniversary. Uh, So June's a big month for me. Now, in this particular month of June this year, I got two really cool presents. And I want to share those presents with you. One, obviously, you can see. It's like, oh, he finally did it. He finally brought a fishing pole to church. Talk about fishing all the time. But, but seriously, this, this is one of the presents. Actually, it's a, two presents in one. It's a rod and it's a reel. And um, this, uh, this has been a lot of fun to uh, use this particular present um, because... Um, I love to fish, as, as you know. And you thought this was a mic holder. It's really a fishing rod holder. And um, uh, it's, a, it's a great present. Um, I've, I have other rods and reels, but this one, this one takes it to another level. I mean, it, ta- it gives me the power to do... You can cast this thing a country mile, all right? It, it is awesome. And um, as they say, uh, I like big bass and I cannot lie. All right, I like catching the big ones. This other present I got uh, on Father's Day um, is not a weapon. Well, it could be. It, it's, a, it's a massager. And um, I'm not a masseuse, but you can see it's got some power, but then it's really crazy. Like, you can dial it up a little bit, and then when you put it on, it go, it's got this, like, it's kind of soft, and then it goes... I don't really know how to use it very well yet, okay? It's a little dangerous at times. Um, but I know it's good for, for my muscles. Like, I know, I know when I use it, it's going to be helpful. So I'm really thankful for these two, these two gifts. These are good gifts I got um, this past month. I use that as a lead-in to the fact of they're different in the respect of this one, I, I just, I can use that. I know how to use that. It, it's just helping me. I've, I've used something like this before. This one, this is new to me. It's like brand new. It's really powerful, and I'm still learning how to use it. There are spiritual gifts that we receive as Christians. How many of you have heard that you get a spiritual gift when you're a Christian? You, you, if you read your Bible, if you've been in church long enough, you've probably heard that. I wonder, though, how many of you have figured out your spiritual gift because you took a spiritual gifts test? How many of you have taken a spiritual gifts test before? Okay, that, that, that's the real thing. It's, they're out there. Um, and I've even encouraged uh, people to take one, um, but not for maybe the reason that I think some take them. Because I think some are taught, like, 
Um, you become a Christian and you have this like instant spiritual gift that you get. And uh, that's your gift for the rest of your life. That's what the God gives you. It's, I don't think it's like that. Uh, I hope more than anything that you see that. And I hope more than anything you learn what your spiritual gift is and how it works. Um, it, spiritual gifts have a purpose. The purpose, I don't know if you know this or not, but the spiritual gift is, is not for you per se, but it's actually for the church, for, for all of you, the body of Christ. The, the spiritual gift that you have, the gift of the Holy Spirit, its intent is to build up God's church, to grow his kingdom, to strengthen believers. That's, if you read the Bible, you'll see that. In, in fact, in Acts, we've been in Acts 2 for a few weeks. In Acts 2, they had this w- wild, crazy gift. They could speak a language they never learned in school. Some of you took Spanish in high school. Some of you took French in high school or Japanese in high school. And and you can't speak the language, right? Because you practiced it for three or four years, but you still, you know a couple words. De nada. You know, like, you know, buku. You, You know some words, but you can't speak the language. These guys spoke the language, like instantaneously, praised God, and everybody from all these different languages heard it, got their attention, and, and this was like, this was a supernatural thing. This was the Holy Spirit gifting them to do that. In Acts chapter 3, these guys, the apostles, they were Jesus' disciples, they had the gift of healing. They healed a man and gave him the ability to walk. That, that was an amazing thing, this gift of healing. So in Acts, you read in the New Testament, you see... They had these spiritual gifts that, that built up the church, that, that brought the attention and put it on God. But then you read in 1 Corinthians. If you've ever read 1 Corinthians, this church, this church in Corinth, had some, well, I would say that they had a whole bunch of these. And they really didn't know how to use them very well. In fact, they were overusing them. Specifically, they had the gift of speaking in tongues and prophesying. And and they were going a little bit over the top, probably way over the top, especially with the speaking in tongues. It was like everybody was at the same time using their gifts in a church service when they gathered together, and it was chaos. It was out of control. And so Paul who started that church, he writes a letter to them to tell them, like, you've got to get things in order here. And in fact, he says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, which I have up here on the screen. He says, Pursue love, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Now, I'm going to tell you, honestly, I think some churches today are taking that verse out of context. I say that because it seems that their focus is all about prophesying or speaking in tongues. And that's what, that's what the whole service is about, is prophesying, is, is, is speaking a word from, from the Lord. But 
If you take that verse in context with chapter 12, 13, and 14, you realize what Paul is really saying to this church is, okay, you got these, these gifts, but you need to use them to build up the church. And he points out that the gift of prophecy is better than the gift of tongues because it builds up the church. He said, I'd rather speak five words of prophecy to build everybody up than 10,000 words in an unknown language and nobody knows what you're saying. So the purpose of the gift was to build up the church. I have a a dear friend, a sister in Christ. I've known her for, for 20 years now. Godronically, I don't think it's ironic, I think it's Godronic, she texted me yesterday. I can't make this stuff up. She texted me yesterday and asked me to pray for her to receive the gift of prophecy. Out of the blue, this text I got yesterday. And you know what? I know her heart. I know she wants to encourage Christians. And, and believe me, if you knew her, you, if you spent a half an hour with her, you'd be encouraged. This, this woman is, is a wonderful woman of God. And she's very encouraging. But she wants this gift, and and I know it's to please the Lord. But I just wonder if she's like many others, it seems, that that want these miraculous gifts of healing, of prophecy, of speaking in tongues. That doesn't surprise you, does it, that that people want these, these miraculous gifts that seem to kind of bring every, you know, get everybody's attention? But here's something to think about. Because maybe you have pursued some of these miraculous gifts. I mean, how many times, I can't tell you how many times I have seen someone sick, hurting, in pain. And I just think to myself, God, man, I wish I had the gift of healing. I wish I, I could heal them right now. I, I'm sure that we've had, you've had that thought too. Or, or I could give them a, 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 a word of encouragement that would just break them out of their depression. I would love to have those, those miraculous gifts. But just think about this for a minute. When you read the Bible, okay, you're reading what's going on before the Bible was written, before all was revealed. So they were receiving new revelation so that they could actually write the Bible. Peter says this in 2 Peter 1.21. He says, no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And that's what you're seeing, all of these gifts. They they were purposeful for that time period. I like to say God moved the men who moved the pen. That's how we got the Bible. And the Bible now is complete. We don't need new revelations. In fact, you read the the end of the Bible, um, you'll see that. I'll bring that up in a minute. But just to give you a little example, what, what if I stood up here and said to you, you know what, church, I got a prophecy last night from the Lord, a new revelation. And this new revelation is that if you eat chicken, you're going to lose your salvation. You can't eat chicken anymore, because if you do, you'll lose your salvation. Now, sadly, there's some people that will never eat chicken again. But most of you 
would realize that you're nuttier than a fruitcake, Pastor. <laughs> no. But there are some that will say, I'm a prophet. God told me this. Don't argue with God. There are no new revelations. Revelation 22, 18 and 19, the last verses of the Bible. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to them plagues described in this book. If anyone takes away the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. There are no new revelations. The Bible is complete. So the only prophecy that should be happening, the only prophesying that should be taking place today is forth-telling, not foretelling. Proclaiming God's word, not predicting a new word. I watched a video, I watched a lot of videos in this research, but I watched a video of a church that, in Australia, and they had a, um, a kids' ministry and they had all the gifts of the, uh, of the Spirit that are listed in the Bible, and they put them in a, in a jar and, and a piece of paper, and, and they had the kids pick them out and pray that they would receive these gifts. And one little girl apparently received the gift of interpreting tongues. And in this church, it was clear there was a lot of people that could speak in tongues, unknown, unknown languages, unknown languages, not a language that was... Uh, understandable. But apparently this girl could understand. She had this gift of interpreting. So someone on stage would would speak in an unknown language and then she would interpret it. And basically every time she interpreted it was it was brief. It was it was it was simply um, things that we already see in the Bible. Straight out of the Bible. You know, God is awesome. That 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 was basically the there was there was nothing new. So uh, in essence, I wouldn't say it was, it was unhealthy because there was no new revelation, but it was out of the Bible. And it reminded me of this truth that I believe is an important truth for us all. Everything God wants to say to you, he's already said in the Word of God. It's already been said. You just have to put yourself, immerse yourself, I would say, in the Word of God. I taught last week, how do you get filled with the Holy Spirit? How do you fill yourself with the Holy Spirit? You immerse yourself in his word. And when you immerse yourself in his word, when you live by that truth that you see in his word, then you are empowered by the Holy Spirit to do his will. And sometimes when you receive power from the Holy Spirit, which is what his gifts are, it's it's powerful, it's, it's more than we can do on our own, sometimes I believe God might do this for you instantaneously, something that's kind of powerful. I mean, you got to learn how to use it. But most of the time, I believe this is the gift that we receive from the Holy Spirit. Something that we can take and use and we're familiar with and God will empower us. You see, I think the norm today is for God to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit progressively as you grow in Christ, not instantaneously. And I'm going to tell you that I believe the gift of the Holy Spirit is threefold. It's a God-given desire to use a God-given talent to build up God's church with his power. 
I'll say that again, but I'm going to go through it. It's a God-given desire to use a God-given talent to build up God's church with his power. So we're going to start with the desire part, a God-given desire. Let's talk about what your natural desire is before you became a Christian. Or if you're not a Christian yet, this may be very eye-opening to you. Is it possible that you can carry out the desires of the Lord if you're not a Christian? Romans 7, verses 18, 19, and 20 would tell you no. In fact, this is what it says. Paul, the Apostle Paul, the one who wrote many of the letters in the New Testament, says this. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. I do not do the good I want. It's the evil I don't want to do that I keep on doing. And now, if I do what I do not want, it's no longer I who do it, but it's the sin that dwells within me. The tragedy of our condition, our natural desire, is not good because we have a sinful nature. That's who we are. In fact, Jeremiah says this about our hearts before Christ. The heart is deceitful above all things, desperately sick. Who can understand it? An evil heart does not desire godly things. However, the gift of the Holy Spirit is that God gives you a new heart and new desires. So maybe you're here today and this is brand new information to you. Maybe your eyes are being opened to the fact that you can never really please God without a new heart and a new spirit. Ezekiel 11.19 tells us that I will give them one heart and a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove that heart of stone from their flesh and I will give them a heart of flesh. When God regenerates your spirit with the Holy Spirit, he'll give you a new heart and new desires. Think about that. It's happened to many of you, and you may not even have realized it. You get, a new, you get new desires. One of my favorite verses, it's, it's inscripted on the inside of my wedding ring, Psalm 37.4. Just the Psalm 37.4, not the whole word, all the words. But here it is. Delight yourself in the Lord, and I will give you the desires of your heart. It's really easy to read that and think that God gives you the desires that are already in your heart. But read it this way. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you his desires in your heart. Because that's what it means. He'll give you his desires. He'll put his desires in your heart. And that's the first part of the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's a gift, isn't it? To have God's desires in your heart. Because before Christ, you didn't have those desires. You're like Paul. You tried. She didn't do it. You can't carry it out, your desires. Think about why, as Christians, you love teaching children the Bible. 
Why do you love going to a veteran's home and taking them gifts? Why do you love singing for God? Why do you love helping out cleaning up around the church? Why do you love taking care of babies here in the nursery? Why do you love praying for others? Because God gave you that desire. He put that in you. He gifted you with that. In your heart, a gift. Before I was a Christian, I didn't want to teach the Bible. I didn't even want to be a teacher. I wanted to be a millionaire. And the last time I checked, teachers, you're not making millions, are you? So I wasn't going to be a teacher. You should make millions, teachers, but you don't. But God opened my eyes to his grace and mercy. I surrendered my life to him. And as I walked with him and I pursued his desires that he put in me, I heard from him, go be a teacher. Go into the public schools and be a teacher. And, and, and serve in your church and teach the youth. Be a youth leader in your church. Be a youth leader in your school. And I did that. I didn't have that desire before. I didn't want to teach the Bible, but now I have that desire. As I think Jeremiah said, it's like a fire shut up in my bones. I, I want, I, I can't help but do it. It's a desire that was given to me as a gift from the Holy Spirit. And he gives you a new desire as well. And when he does, when you have that new desire, you must join that with your talent. Because you have a talent, something you were probably born with, or maybe it just kind of developed over time. It might be an ear for music, an eye for drawing, a nose for cooking, a brain for math or science, legs for running long distances, calves to make you jump high and dunk a basketball. That was me. I can't do it anymore. You may have had this talent from birth. Maybe it came later in life. But you have a talent. One of the coolest examples of God giving someone a talent in the Bible is in Exodus 31. It was when they were building the tabernacle and there were special furnishings that had to go in the tabernacle, the house of God. And the Lord said to Moses, See, I've called a man named... You want to pronounce it? Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with the ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship, so he can devise artistic designs to work in gold, silver, and bronze, in cutting stones for setting and carving wood, to work in every craft. God gave this guy the ability to be a talented craftsmanshipper. I don't know what the word is there, but... He had skills, talents that God gave him. God gave you a talent. I'm, I'm guessing you've been developing your talent your whole life. And you might have even been using it for your own purposes. Maybe they've been selfish purposes. You've been using your talent all along. I met a, a, a I was, I just met him at camp. I was at um, Christian Athletes Camp, Fellowship of Christian Athletes Camp all week. Phenomenal camp. Um, saw so many young people um, making a commitment to follow Christ. It's just a, such a blessing. But one of the coaches there is a businessman. I was talking with him. He's invested in real estate. He's worth a ton of money. He's made a boatload. I mean, 
he, he just has tons of rental properties, investments. But you know what? That was what he did before he was a Christian. Now that he is a Christian, the Lord has him using that talent that he has to invest for the kingdom. He started a ministry in Cuba. And the ministry is, he buys a property down there, and he puts a missionary in there, and they build a community center so that the people will come. They're so poor, they don't, half of them don't even have shoes. They can't even afford a pair of shoes. And they, and they come to this community center, and, and they learn through the sport or whatever it is, and then they learn about Jesus, and then he's found a way for them to use the property using Airbnb to eventually sustain himself. And he's been doing this for four years, and now he has three properties, using his talent for the Lord. You have a talent. You're good at something, and the Lord wants you to use that talent with your desire that he put in you. So you follow your desire, you develop your talent. That talent is a gift of the Holy Spirit. I told you this in the beginning. Pray and give thanks to God for the talent he's given you. You're really good at something. And you can use that with your desire as a gift of the Holy Spirit. The third part is now acting with his power. Jesus said about the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he'll give you power to be my witnesses. And the Apostle Paul then wrote the letters to the churches and explained this power. And there's three places you'll find the list of the spiritual gifts. A list. I say a list. I don't really think it's an exhaustive list. I don't think Paul ever intended to list all of the spiritual gifts. But they're in there, and people will, will try to come up with a comprehensive list. This is what they are, and, and you must have one of these gifts. That's the problem with the spiritual gifts test. It's only asking you questions about those gifts that are listed in the Bible. When God can gift you, empower you for anything that will build up his church if it's his will. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and 14, Romans 12, Ephesians 4. Scholars agree with me. I don't think that was him trying to, to list all the gifts. But I want to go through 1 Corinthians 12 with you just quickly so you can see what this is all about. First of all, he says, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I don't want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to be uninformed either. That's why I'm teaching on it today. Verse 4. He says, there's a variety of gifts, but there's only one spirit. There's a variety of service, but there's only one Lord. There's a variety of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. And to each one of us is given a manifestation of the Holy Spirit for the common good. Verse 11, all these are empowered by one and the same spirit. He apportions to each one individually as he wills. So every person has a gift of the Holy Spirit. And I think it's a threefold thing. And this is the third part. The ability to use your talent, your desire, with power. With the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, of course, decides when he's going to empower you because he knows what the church needs. In fact, Paul writes in verse 27, you are the body of Christ, individual members of it. And he goes on to say, and you can read it for yourself, I hope you'll read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, and you'll see that everybody in this church is a member of God's church and is important. Just like our body has all kinds of arms and toes and legs, 
and the big toe isn't more important than the head. It's all important. That's what he's saying about the church. 1 Corinthians 13, he goes on to say that if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I don't have love, I'm a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have all faith, he lists like three gifts right there, and I can remove mountains, but I don't have love, worthless. Worthless. Your spiritual gift is worthless. Useless. You must have love. And then, of course, the verse, verses that you hear at weddings all the time. Love is patient. Love is kind. He goes on to say what love is. Verse 14, or chapter 14, verse 12. So with yourself, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Every spiritual gift is for building up the church. And the Corinthian church was a little bit crazy. They, they, they were going a little, they were a little, tongues and prophecies, they were all over the place. Verse 39, he says, brothers, choose prophecy over tongues, but in all things, everything should be done decently and in order. If you ever walk into a church and it's chaos, walk right back out. Come back here. <laughs> There's got to be order. But again, I think it's because this church at this time got these gifts and they didn't really know how to maybe use them or in order. They, they were using them. They were empowered. But it was a little crazy. But like I said before, I think the norm today is not the norm that we see in the Corinthian church. I think the norm today is a progressive understanding of your gift, using your gift, empowered by it, rather than instantaneously. God gives you his desire. Follow that desire. God gives you a talent. Develop your talent. God gives you power. Act with his power. Build up his church. God gave me the desire to teach the Bible. I shared that with you. And I followed that desire all the way to becoming a pastor. God gave me a talent to be able to study and learn. I don't take that for granted. And I've been doing that. Three master's degrees, I taught high school, I've learned a lot, and I'm a perpetual learner, I like to learn. That's something that I keep developing. And then God empowers me to teach his word on Sundays, and Fridays, and Wednesdays, and whenever else the Lord will let me do it. But let me give you a point. When I teach the word like I'm teaching now, sometimes people will come up to me and say, I really felt like you were talking directly to me. It was like you were listening to my conversation this morning, this week. I can't, I don't, I can't, that's not me. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the gift of teaching. I didn't do that. God did that. There's times when I believe God gives me the ability to prophesy. Not to predict, to proclaim. Proclaim his purposes, his truths, his promises. And how do I do that? Because I know his word. The revealed word. And I just proclaim that to you. Just like I'm doing right now. 
So I followed the desire God gave me. I developed the talent he gave me, and I act within his power. And I'm not alone. You can do that too. You should do that. You should build up his church. So I won't discourage you from asking, like my sister in Christ, for a gift. Because I believe she wants it for the right reasons. But I will encourage you mostly to follow your desire, develop your talent, and act within his power. So what desire is it that God has put in your heart? You might want to take some time today, this weekend, and just think about it. Pray about it. What's that desire that you have? What's kind of burning at you like? What what are you passionate about in the church, in in, in the kingdom? What what is it something that you know, man, I, I really, this is something important to me. And then what has God given you the ability to do? What what has he uniquely equipped you to do? And do you need to develop it more? And thirdly, what's the need that you see? What's going on in the church, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, that you just need a little bit of power to make it happen? See, I think the gift that we get from the Holy Spirit is much more like this. It's something that's familiar to you. It's a talent that you've had your whole life. And now there's a desire in you to serve him, to serve his church, to build up his church. And when you pray and you act within that power, God just blows your mind. This fishing rod and reel blows my mind. It casts so much farther than all my other ones. That's what God can do when you act with his power. He put a desire in you. He gave you a talent. He empowers you to build up his church. And if that's you, if that's what you want to do, if that's what you want to be a part of, you know, I was at athletes camp all week coaching basketball, so I'm going to give you an analogy. I'm going to tell you God's not calling you to sit on the bench. Get in the game. Get in the game. Don't sit on your hands anymore. Get in the game. And if you want to do that, then I want to encourage you to stand up. And I don't want you to stand because the person next to you stands or or someone around you, you see everybody standing up. I want you to stand because you're saying yes to God. You're saying, yes, God, I'm going to follow your desire. I'm going to develop my talent, use my talent for you, and I'm going to act with your power. I'm going to build up your church. That's my purpose. If that's what you want to do, I want to encourage you to stand I will pray for you. If you want to stand for God, say yes to God, I'll pray for you. Our team will come up to play our final song. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word today. I thank you for using me week after week to proclaim your word, to proclaim your truth. God, I don't think I'm anything special. I think you just broke my heart. And I'm just responding to that. God, if I thought I was something special, there would be no power in that. But I come to you humbly 
begging you to use me to build up your church. And everyone that's standing right now, Father, that's their heart. They want to be a vessel. They want to be empowered to carry out that desire that you put in them to to couple that and join that with their talent that you've uniquely equipped them with. God, I pray for us. I pray for this church. That we can be a witness and we can build up and strengthen your body of Christ. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.